Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lancashire Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Lancashire Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the East Services Librarian, and to, for today's episode in the podcast, I thought we'd give a little bit of a focus on our digital team because they do some fantastic work and it's something that I think that as a library service we need to shout out about and let everybody know how fantastic they, the, the work is that they are doing. So today we have got some guests from that team, Phyllis um, and Hilary, who have both been on the podcast before, and they are going to tell you a little bit of the work that they have been doing, in particular with work to around uh, Code Club, family history, and some of the courses that are available through their service as well that you can get involved in too. So do listen up and hear what they've got to say about what they've been getting involved with recently, and see if it's anything that you might be interested in taking part in as well. So thanks, Hilary and Phyllis, for joining me today uh, on our podcast to talk about all things in the digital team. So uh, it's great to have you guys. And um, I thought we'd kick off by talking about one of the events that I think is one of the most exciting ones at the moment that we do, and it's the Code Club one. Obviously, we spoke about it in previous podcasts a little bit as well, um, where we've got some um, Code Clubs running at the moment, Hilary. Uh, so in South Area, we've got our club re-established in Wishaw and for the first time ever we have been running a proper code club here in Motherwell as well Fantastic. so it's great to see that one up and running finally and yeah so we've got two running in South Phyllis North we, area we have got two on alternate weeks um in Coatbridge yeah and we will be starting the Cumbernauld one just after the October holidays Fantastic. So there's going to be loads and loads of opportunities loads for and to, get to, and to, to do with coding, which is fantastic. Um, what's some of the most interesting projects that you've seen lately that some of the groups have been doing that you've been involved in? Hilary, have you got any that you've got to kind of mention? <laughs> well, the, the Motherwell, I've been helping out in the Motherwell group. Um, and we've used what were a new set of materials to me. But I, I know Phyllis has used them before. Um Anytime I've run it, I've always used one set of materials and we took the chance to kind of go to some of the, the newer stuff. So the other week, um, there's a, there's one called Silly Eyes. Yeah. And that's the one I was the, thinking about as well. <laughs> <laughs> the task the task that they're set is is to design and create a character with silly eyes that follows the mouse around the screen. Fantastic. And I think it's the first time you really get the chance to see just how creative and crazy um the people the young people in the in the code club could be that they're encouraged to add other sort of adornments to their characters as well so you know we had the hats changing color we had um oh lots of, some, somebody found the the kind of whirl if, if you hover the mouse over it the actual the whole character like starts to spiral and, and and <laughs> making swirly things and so it, it was it was great fun and, and it, it's it's so much fun as well to hear the young people sort of laughing with each other yeah. as well as they're creating and, and, and getting really like caught up in what they're creating. So I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, I think that's maybe, you've maybe touched on one of the things here that I think is a bit of a hidden gem of the Code Clubs because I think some people might think of coding being quite a, 
an individual task to or, or, or thing to do, but actually in the code clubs it is quite a cooperative thing and collaborative thing that they're doing sort of together and seeing each other's projects and and learning together basically, aren't they? Yeah, and and you do you watch that week one, you know, people kind of work on their own or maybe if they already know somebody in the code club they'll have a wee chat with them kind of thing, but very quickly I always find I'm, I'm not sure Phyllis is the same that um that peer support starts. Um, so you know, somebody works out how to do something and they then either get nudged by somebody else and say, how did you do that? Or or somebody will say, I'm stuck. And, and, and you know, so, and, and sometimes it's the most, I don't know if this is going to sound right, but it's sometimes the most unlikely candidates that end up doing the most peer support. So sometimes it can be, you know, Parents will bring bring them and say, oh, they're really quiet. They don't talk to anybody. They don't do anything. And you know, within a couple of weeks, they're they're the authority in, in the group and and <laughs> the, the go to person. Um, and and, and it, from a staffing perspective, it's brilliant because um, you can leave them to it. <laughs> yeah, this is it. And the number of staff have have always sort of said to me, "Well, oh, I couldn't possibly do that because I don't know how to code it." And I always sort of say to them, "Actually." You need to, you need to get kind of like little basics of it, but very and problems help people problem solve. But actually, very often you just turn the question back and 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 then turn the question out to the whole group if need be, and yeah. somebody has worked it out or or worked something, and you see that thought and reasoning process develop yeah. in it as yeah. well. Yeah, and I think that's one of the fantastic things about it. Uh, Phyllis, have you seen any great projects other than the, the googly eyes ones that we've, we've mentioned there? I like when they're designing games um, and they all start off with exactly the same on the screen and like Hilary was saying, by the time it gets to the end of it, you you couldn't imagine that they had started off with the same thing on the screen because they have such different ideas and such different ways of putting their ideas across. Yeah. That, uh, it, it's it's amazing to see and it's yeah. it's great to watch them coming out of the shell over, and again, the, over the few weeks. Yeah, and again, that's probably another one of those hidden things as well because I think probably people think Code Club might not be quite as, as creative and fun as that uh, a, a little bit, but actually there is a lot of creativity required in it to kind of put together the, the sprites and things like that for, for moving about the screen and stuff. And I, I think, again, that's another wee kind of hidden gem about it as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, one one of the early exercises in the, in this set was to get two char- two characters to kind of talk to each other and tell each other jokes. <laughs> and the jokes are interesting. The jokes yeah. are interesting. <laughs> are any of them rememberable and repeatable for on here? <laughs> oh, they were all clean. Don't 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 get me wrong with that one. Um, but it, it's just it's you suddenly sort of realise that you know that set that child that that sense of humour. Um, at, at certain ages is, <laughs> is definitely off the wall. <laughs> so I, I think we've probably covered quite a lot this year, but I mean, what, why are we promoting Code Club for kids? What's the really good skills that, that are developing when participating in it? I think we've kind of probably touched quite a lot, but is there any other ones that you want to kind of mention? I'm wondering Will we? I, okay, I'll come back in. Um, I, thought, I, thought you, I thought you had one that you had hand, on hand. I know, thought, it was, thought you were just plucking it out there. there. <laughs> no, that's it. Just, um, the skills that we see, I think, I, I think it, 
the ones that sort of come to mind quickly for me are about creating confidence, creativity, storytelling, and peer support. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I know we've kind of touched on all of that as, as, as we've spoken there, but I mean, that's, you're right, it, it can have that impression that it's just this sort of quiet little club where people will stare at a computer screen and, and, and I've never known a club like that. Yeah. Everybody gets involved, mucks in, and suddenly all these these ideas and and whether it's from gaming or from YouTube things that have been watched or from stories they've read or whatever, this this creativity appears and starts to translate onto the page yeah. in an individual way. Yeah, and that's, and that's a great a great thing to see that that all that develop. But also, if you want, is there anything you want to add to that? It's the confidence. It's so when you see them walking in and their first week and they're so quiet and timid and trying to keep trying to shrink into themselves and and stay out of the way, <laughs> and then by the the end of the session they're taking over and showing everybody what to do and showing us what to do, keep more shrink. Yeah. And I, and I think that's that's probably something that I, that I would say actually kind of transpires a lot across a lot of kind of library clubs that we do with kids. So you do that, you see that kind of like that kind of shyness at first, and then by the end of it, or kind of as it's going on, the kids just grow. And and that's one of the things that I think is a great thing about working with kids as well. You do you do yeah. get that kind of satisfaction of seeing the confidence levels grow and and their skills develop basically right in front of you when you're working them week on week. I think as well, um, certainly all the clubs I've worked with in our libraries, the youngsters come from a number of different schools. Yeah. And, you know, in, in their school, they might be one of just one or two people who's kind of like in that particular mindset or that they're sort of particular quiet reserves. And, and suddenly they find they're not the only one. And here's this similar group of people that are, are on their wavelength, yeah, uh, or close by, um, and and can develop and and, and it, it builds that confidence of meeting people you don't know, yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, there, I think with Code Club, there's, there's so many benefits for for kids to take part, and 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 it's a, a lovely thing to for to, to see. And I think parents in particular will will see a big difference in their kids whenever they take part as well. And for any parents out there who's listening who think it might be something that that their kids might be interested in, what's the best way for them to kind of get involved in some way? Phyllis, what's what what should the parents get do to kind of get their kids along? Just encourage them to come. Don't be frightened. We're, we're not scary. Um, it'll be fun. <laughs> and it's not like school. Yeah. Uh, is there a best kind of contact way of getting in contact with, with you guys to kind of see you about coming along to the club and things like that? Is there anything particular they need to do for that way? Oh, on our website, you'll get the links um, uh, with the inquiry form. Or if there's a, a link for a particular library, if you give the library a call, then they should be able to put you onto the list. Fantastic. Yep. And uh, I think it's definitely something that's going to kind of probably grow a little bit as time goes on, and it'll be great to see where Code Club goes. Um, and uh, on on the webpage for it, we do have a wee kind of example of the kind of thing that um, you can get because you can end up making and and the skills that they're kind of developing. 
and and it's and it's fantastic to to kind of just see that visual thing about how it works and things like that. So it's definitely one that they can do. And as well, it's it's not just something they can do in the library too. Once they've got skills from the library, they can kind of they can access the stuff for it from home and kind of play about with it at home as well, can't they, Hilary? Yeah, absolutely no problem. Um, we we use a specific set of learning materials, but we do dip into other bits and pieces as well. And when, if, if they want to keep going with it at home, we'll always give them um, instructions about how parents can help them create accounts for themselves and, and work away um, and be very creative and then come back and teach us 101 things we don't know how to do. <laughs> it's great. And then it's every day's a learning day after that, isn't it? Absolutely. So, do you know what we do? I think we do learn as much as the youngsters each time we do this. Yeah. Well. It's, 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 I think it's one of those things that you, you probably can never have learned too much about it. And there's always something new to kind of learn about it as well. So it's a, it's a great activity. Moving on from that, though, um, Phyllis, um, you've also had a, a family history group running for quite a while now um, in Cumberland Library, haven't you? We have. We've had it running for over a year now um, right. and it just keeps growing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think family history is it's one of those things. It's it's there's there's so many people who do get interested in it, and whenever whenever you do get into it, uh, you kind of it kind of becomes quite a major part of of a, of a hobby for you for for learning stuff. Um, what can people hope to discover uh, if they by coming along to the um to the, the group? Well, the beauty of the group that we have in the Cumbernauld is that it's peer led, so similar to what happens in Code Club. Um, somebody, somebody gets a, a niche and they, they start to specialise in particular types of searching. Like we've got somebody who there is nothing that they can't find in a census. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you get people specialising in different areas of the Ancestry Institutional website. Um, so we've got somebody who specialises in, in the census information, somebody else who's who specialises in military information um, and in the background I'm there making sure that they're they're clicking the right button on the mouse and and doing all their basic IT skills. <laughs> I think um, family history I think is definitely one of those things for like I think there is uh, it's a great thing to have as a, as a collaborative thing as well because it does kind of help find information out and as soon as you kind of do start to discover little pieces of information sometimes it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle that it all starts to kind of fall into place a little bit which is which is a, a lovely thing you can see people discover things as well isn't it well that's it it's a lot it's just about the stories of um how your ancestors lived and and what they did and the the number of people we have in our group who have discovered commonalities or um family members who've gone to the same schools or who've lived in the same streets and that's that's fascinating when you're when you're watching all the information just unfolding. Yeah, and and f from a library service point of view, one of the great things that we can offer is, as you mentioned earlier, on an, an ancestry institution, which is a, a free version of ancestry that you can access well using some of the computers within the library service, isn't it? Yep, it's uh, it gives you access to all of their their database information. Um, so you've got your census information, your birth dates and marriages, immigration records, uh, parish records, poor law, pretty much anything that you could you could hope to find. Yeah, and and if you do discover stuff there, you can email it kind of home to yourself. Uh, you so can. you've got got a record of it, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, and. 
that's that's such a great tool which I think the library service have got access to, which probably a lot of people don't kind of realise you can get access to in the library for free because ancestry if you're kind of getting a personal subscription, it can be quite costly, especially if you kind of go with some of the higher higher levels with access to it. And it, and we, we we can provide that for people um, to to use uh, when they're in the library. Probably do the need stress that it is only available whenever you're using one of our computers. Um, but it is it's a great kind of resource that we've got access to, um, and. Have you guys discovered any other kind of great tools that are good for helping out find out information online anywhere other than Ancestry? Is there any other sites and or, or ones that you would kind of recommend people look at for for if they're interested in family history? Find my past's a good one. Yeah. Um or family search. Yeah. Is is a good one too. Um and we're starting to see lots of results coming through on GeneNet. Um, yeah. So people who are doing sort of the the DNA testing, there's quite a lot of stuff coming up now um, that, that's linked into ancestry, um, coming through GeneNet. So that's that's making things interesting for us as well. Yeah, I, I think as well you talk about we we've not done what Phyllis has done in terms of having a group, but we we've done a bit of one to one support with with people in terms of using ancestry. And as Phyllis says, you you kind of get people who kind of end up specialising in, in something. And one of the, the people um, in the families that, that did a wee bit of work earlier on this year um, ended up going down, their, their ancestor had served in the Merchant Navy. And there are people online who have done all this work, um, listing ships and who was on the cruise and where it all went when it went in and out and so we ended up I can't actually remember the the, the, the database name but I ended up in there looking at some fabulous stuff and, and, and like that the stories came out of, of um, people being on particular ships uh, as merchant ships during during the war actually and being torpedoed and and then finding them in ancestry as yeah. the passenger list, because Ancestry's also got um, institutions also got access to lots of passenger lists. Yeah, and so we found them landing, being landed in, I want to say Morocco or somewhere like that in the Mediterranean, and yeah. then the and then the passenger manifest of them coming back into to the south coast of England, um, and everybody who had survived that particular incident, all sort of travelling back, and and it is it's just it's it's it. it it's a fabulous way to lose an awful lot of time. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the great things as well. Whenever you do find one of those kind of like stories, rather than just just rather than just finding a person, but like whenever you find a, a, a kind of a story behind that person that you you you've not known or you know a little bit about or you know they've been a relative in the past or something like that, but whenever you discover a little bit about their actual life, about what they did or what where they went or you know that 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 kind of really adds kind of depth to the 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 kind of searching a little bit, doesn't it? And it really kind of makes it a much more fascinating thing to kind of discover. And and one of the things that um uh, that we can kind of also kind of plug I suppose at this point is that as well as us being able to offer that kind of online support on uh, either Phyllis's group or kind of one on one to one with Hillary, our colleagues at the the North Lancashire Heritage Centre do quite a lot of work with family history, don't they, Hillary? 
Yeah, and, and just geographically, because they are just across the road from us here in Motherwell. Um, I've, I've had quite a good chat with them over the times, and um, both in Motherwell and in Airdrie, there are our local history rooms that you can go in and go in and have access to, to, to records. But our colleagues there are starting a family history four-week course um, on Wednesdays from the 1st of November through November. Um, and that's going to look at it's sort of four weeks as a kind of introduction to how to start your family, researching your family tree, looking at the cemetery and the poor law records um, and other sort of archives registers that are there for that as well. And then um, Phyllis has also mentioned a whole lot of the, the other online sites. So they're going to they'll spend a week looking at uh, online resources and then one of the ones that's also just so invaluable when you when you keep looking at documents and um, reading old handwriting yeah and 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 trying to be able to decipher what is what is on the page and and so the team there are are fabulous as i say i've done a little bit of work with them so that four week course starts at the beginning of november there are limited places so you need to to book through the heritage center uh, and there's a small charge for the the four weeks on yeah. it as well and and I think in particular, <clears throat> I, I have done quite a lot of family history research for myself as well. And and the handwriting thing is definitely something that, that is a challenge. So that particular session with them, I'm sure, would be kind of almost invaluable, really. Um, and Vibka is very who who runs a lot of the stuff there is is very good. at kind of really kind of tell me. I have, I have I have I will fully admit I have asked her some things in the past to kind of try to help me out a little bit with what I might say. And she's been able to help me out so it's definitely uh, of course i think a lot of people who are really kind of interested in it would would really find something get get real something out of it kind of taking part in that it, course with, with yeah it, it's it gives you a really good basis to start from um, yeah. if, if it's completely new to you and, and again it's the same as, as happens with the code clubs you know you go to that you're going to start making these connections with other people and yeah. and people who have got little bits of knowledge about this particular area or that particular style the type of records and, and you build up that community of people who can help you. Yeah, definitely. And the other part to the sort of digital team is kind of some of the kind of building some basic IT skills and, and improving IT skills and things like that. Um, for anyone who's maybe looking to brush up on their IT skills, Hillary, what can we look to offer them with things like the ICDL and things like that? So there are two two kind of main routes that we take. One is um, somebody just wants to brush up on their skills and isn't worried about getting any sort of qualifications, but just time to time to refresh because because you know, IT, IT stuff technology moves on so fast at the moment and, and even something like Microsoft Word which has been around for a long time there's lots of new features it just keeps changing so we will do the, our digital team will do um, some one-on-one -on -one support we'll do um, sort of small group support with people and looking at things like Learn My Way or the GCF site just to kind of get a, a, a good basis um, maybe it's actually as I had last week, somebody who just needed a bit of help with one particular component. So somebody who was asked, being asked to give um, a presentation as part of an interview panel and just needed a wee refresher on where thing, how things were working in PowerPoint. So you know, we spent a, an hour, an hour and a half with them doing that. Yeah. The other route, though, that we find is that people look to get a formal qualification. And in that yeah. case, we offer 
what used to be known as ECDL, people probably recognise it as ECDL, but it has it has changed its name in the last couple of years to ICDL. I don't know about Phyllis, but I never, I, it always takes me two or three attempts <laughs> to actually remember to call it that yeah. and, and write it down like that. And so if anybody from BCS is listening, I'm sorry, but I will get there, honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite good because it's, it's a way of being able to work through a lot of the Microsoft Office suite and get a kind of core level of skill so that again it comes back to confidence that you've got the confidence to go and move around it to create documents um, and just use them generally um, but we also take it through to uh, advanced levels so people who are confident using your sort of day-to-day -day features um, yeah. but if you think about um, Word for example it, it, when you get onto the advanced level you know we're we're embedding tables, we're, we're bringing in tables of contents, we're putting in referencing, that sort of thing. And, and it, when it comes to Excel, it's it's about using a whole lot more of the functionality that's involved there, about creating pivot charts and spark lines, and just doing more, interrogating the data more with yeah. it. And, and you know, a lot of people at the moment, um, I think for a long time, Excel kind of just trundled along but in the last, I would say, couple of years with the, the bigger push to sort of data analysis, um, Excel is coming back into its own. And that's where sometimes some people will come back to us and say, I just need a wee refresher of all the sorts of things that it can do. And we're never going to show you everything, even on the, the ICDL courses, um, but it gives you a few more ideas of the sorts of things it can do and, and that jumping off point to go and look yeah. at the bits that you actually need to be able to use. So it's a, it's, it's a good way either to, to get certificates to, 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 to move into employment or to change it and move up in employment. Yeah. And if people um, <clears throat> to enrol in that course, they, they can work on it from home as well as as a, a, as in the library as well, isn't it? Once they sign up, they've got access to yeah. the materials through uh, our kind of on-site online sites and stuff like that. Yeah. So mixture of printed and online resources. Um, which people can come into the library and use so that they've got access to the software here without having to pay for it. Or if you've got access to the software elsewhere, absolutely sit and work on it when it works for you. One of the things we've always done is this kind of open, flexible learning is, is exactly that. It's learning at times that suit you when, when it suits you. Yeah. Um, and so if that means that, you know, it's, it's, get the, it's get the children off to bed and take an hour twice a week at nine, ten o'clock at night, um and 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 do a wee bit or doing it mid-morning mid-afternoon you know it, it's 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 there when it suits you in a way that suits you and we put the wrap the support around it although i'm going to put it out here right now you know, I, I, a lot of support at 11 o'clock at night that's that's not my speciality <laughs> <laughs> um Office hours only. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually, again, one of these places where COVID has actually also um, changed the landscape slightly because previously we always, did, regardless of whether you did the learning at home or away from school, you always had to come on site to do the exams with us um, if you're going down the formal qualifications route. But as a result of, of the way learning changed during COVID, we can now even do that remotely as well okay. and so it means that you know if somebody is <clears throat> you know working at, at other hours or um maybe doesn't find it particularly easy to come into a branch 
you know, we, we've got ways and means of supporting this learning um, in, in different ways. So we're always going to look and see how we can do it, whether it's on a, a Teams call or um, email support or, you know, a kind of recorded sort of little screen walkthrough, talk through videos and, and uploaded them. Um, so somebody can get access to those looking at a specific problem that they've, they've got and so on. So yeah. it, it works well. Yeah, and it's if anyone has listened to this and thinking that it's something they're interested in, what's the best way for them to kind of look at getting enrolled in one of those courses? Um, probably the best easiest way to get us is to email us on login to learn at northland.gov.uk. But of course, you can always pick up the phone to the branches in in Motherwell, Wishaw. Coatbridge and Cumbernauld. I'm constantly trying to get those in the right order, um, and and that message will get passed back on to us. Um, what I will put out there just now as well is, is the course does attract a course. We we do have to charge for this one. Yeah. Um, and at times there is government funding through the individual training accounts. At the moment, that funding stream is on pause um but we can always you know look at ways of getting people um to explore other funding options pay it up over time um and also just sort of seeing you know, somebody as well keep an eye on that funding stream but come and talk to us because there's things we can um do in terms of free learning as well to to kind of yeah. brush up the skills but not necessarily get the qualification the paid qualification out of them <clears> too and I'm already thinking, I'm probably thinking back when, when I did the, the ECDL version of the ICDL. I, I'm already thinking that there's also kind of quite a long time frame in order to kind of get it all all done. It's, it's, you can kind of do it at your own pace, but it's not, you've not, you've not only got like a month to do it. It's, no, it's quite, no. it's um, quite a, a long time. Yeah, so the awarding body BCS give us three years from your first exam pass to do it. Um, if you're on a funding stream, we're going to encourage you to get through it in that sort of funding stream. And I know, and I know from my own kind of learning that often you do better and 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 get through it better if yeah. you sort of set that and, and have somebody pushing you on those timescales. Um, we 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 strongly encourage people to kind of try and do it over the course of a year, um, particularly if they're doing seven modules. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, you can do that by giving yourself four weeks per module and some holiday time in there, um, and 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 get through it. But I've, I've also known people who who've had some some really good skills and who've just needed to get qualification, who've done it in four or five weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, and it's as it does offer that flexibility. Where you, if you do kind of know it quite well, but you want to get the formal qualification, you kind of sort of rattle through it quite fairly quickly or if you do need that bit of extra time you can kind of take your, your time kind of learning it and getting to know it right and, and stuff like that and and it is, a, it is I mean you mentioned there is a cost to attach it but that is partly because it is an internationally recognised IT qualification isn't it it's, yeah. it's not just a kind of like North Lancashire Libraries course it's it is an internationally recognised qualification. That's it and that's, that's been the difference between the ECDL and the ICDL we went from a European recognised qualification to the international version um, and and so you know if you've got this and you travel 
elsewhere and you can prove to some you know to an employer that you've got this idea you know, it is recognized worldwide so you know it, from that perspective as well um it's it, it's great just to have that in your in your your, your skills armory if you like yeah and yeah, so it's always going to look nice on the CV to make sure that you've got it, and you can, can you can prove that you know what Microsoft Office is rather than just say you you know what Microsoft Office is. <laughs> and or, or also feel feel confident enough that you can bluff your way through the bits that you don't know too well. <laughs> yeah, there's always that as well. Yeah. So um, is there anything else you guys have been working on recently that uh, that you want to bring up to at this point, or is it, or is it all kind of still a bit under wraps and secretive and things like that? For us, if you get anything you want to kind of kind of highlight highlight this coming in, in the the near future. I think we've got a few things coming up in the in the near future, but Hillary might <laughs> might send me daggers through the screen. No, 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 no. Go 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 ahead on these ones. Um, Right. I think so, so, some of it we can talk, definitely talk about it at this right. stage. We're, we're working on some SQA courses at the moment. Okay. Um, so we're hoping to have them up and running within the next few weeks. Um, okay. Things are moving apace. Fantastic. Uh, so we've been concentrating on them quite a lot. Uh, and that'll cover... a. I'm ashamed, Hillary, to admit, I can't remember the name of the course. I do know it covers e-safety. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're looking we're looking at a, a, a course that's, that attracts an, an SQA qualification in internet safety, but we're also kind of mashing it up with another BCS course on, on e-safety. Um, so, yeah, we're at the stage of, of hopefully running our first pilot candidates through it in the next few weeks. Um, not the sort of thing that everybody will be able to kind of do in in just a few weeks, but we're 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 we're, we're using our digital assistants as um, as, cannon as fodder pigs. on this one, <laughs> guinea pigs on this one. <laughs> um, and that's that's the beauty with all of these qualifications. Actually, is is that you can come to it with what we what we would term prior knowledge, um, and and do it fast, or you can come to it with little or no knowledge, and and we'll take your time with it as well so yeah there's a few kind of new qualifications that we've been looking at for a while and just um we've seized the day we've seized the day i think yeah (laughs) the the um because that sort of ties into what else i'm working on so obviously we've, we've alluded to it several times on podcasts over the last several years but um the refurbishment works at motherwell have um Continue the pace, and and now that we're inching closer to completion, um, but I we now have access to the top floor again from uh, a staff perspective, and there are some very very exciting things happening in the next few weeks here, um, which I'm not going to talk too much about, but there's a whole whole lot of new stuff coming here, and and it does mean that for the first time in quite a while. Um, we will actually have some space to run groups here in Motherwell again, uh, and and so that gave That's that that too. that was the final sort of rocket um, to actually pull together that the, these other course materials. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so, I mean, I, I think it's quite clear that there's lots and lots of fantastic digital activities that are running through our libraries and you can get, get involved in in one way or another, whether it 
be a kid's code club or kind of discovering your family history or getting a formal qualification and things like that. So there's lots and lots of really fun stuff going on that really kind of benefit um, the the community in a wider sense. And I think that's a, a great thing for us to kind of sort of shout out a little bit about. So thank you guys for coming and talking about that. But I am going to, I'm not going to let you escape just yet because I do want to kind of ask you a little bit a little bit of a book question we've been talking very very digitally but and uh, I, I know that you two are both kind of avid readers who probably sometimes we struggle a little bit to get get reading time like myself a little bit um but um but i do know these are all, always got interesting books that you guys are reading so um i thought i would get a little bit of a kind of what are you reading moment out of the interviews before we finish up so <laughs> fellas what have you been reading recently because you always you always whenever we do podcasting you always kind of have, you tend to have a really interesting book that's that uh, <laughs> out, of, out of left field a little bit from what the, the, everyone else tends to read um, well, at the moment, I'm reading book 10 of the Mayette series by Amelia Finn, so that's uh, Sinful Memory. It's, they're quite, I suppose they're quite similar to the Scarpetta books that Patricia Cornwell wrote, but they're not just as long. Um, they are just as interesting and you do get that bit for like the cerebrospinal fluids leaking out of the body just as you're having your tea at, uh, <laughs> at lunchtime that's that seems to always be perfectly timed for for when you're eating um but with them not being as long it means you can rattle through them a lot quicker okay. as well so um, i book 10 of that series and uh, i would highly recommend it fantastic how many books are in the series do you happen to know there's 10 so far Right, so, so you're on the latest one then? I'm on the latest one. <laughs> Fantastic. Hilary, what about yourself? What have you been reading recently? Um, I, I I kind of have pulled myself through a, a, a non-fiction book about um, immune systems. Um, so, but don't worry, I'm not <laughs> going to recommend that one at the moment. Um, <laughs> to 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 like, like, like Phyllis, actually, I've sort of had a little crime spell. Uh, in, in terms of reading uh, around that as well, because I do find when I'm pulling myself through something non-fiction, something nice and light, sort of crime, like the gory crime kind of works as well. Um, <laughs> so, I two two quite recommendations. One, uh, Carol Ramsey's The Devil Stone. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a, a another tartan noir uh, uh, title. First ones I'd read uh, from from this line, and it's a a Glasgow detective DCI who gets in a bit of trouble in Glasgow but ends up getting sent up to uh, a small highland village where there's been this sort of murder of uh, a very wealthy family but there's some suspicions of uh, sort of satanic rituals in the way that they've, they've, they've murdered the body murdered them and then left the bodies laid out in a specific way and and there's a whole there's this devil stone that is a sort of family heirloom that's kind of gone missing, but there's a whole lot of mythology about it in the local community and um, the the local police force kind of um, maybe made their minds up a little bit too quickly about who's involved and why, and then some of them go start to go missing, uh-huh. um, and and so so she's sort of set up to to investigate and, and it reminds me actually a bit of. Um, J.D. Kirk's 
sort of Highlands yeah. uh, <clears throat> crime series as well, but maybe without quite as much much twisted gruesomeness as, as, as Kirk has. Um, but the other one, <laughs> <laughs> the other one that I've really really enjoyed recently is is one that's not out yet. I managed to get hold of an early copy, um, but it's called The List of Suspicious Things by Jenny Godfrey. It's coming out just in the the turn of the year, I think February next year. Um, and it's set in 1979 in Yorkshire around the uh, Yorkshire Ripper right. and the communities mm. uh, around that. But it's I, I find it really fascinating because it's it's told from the sort of the story really from from children, um, but it touches on a certain. Sort of that sort of spelled just at the the turn from Labour to Conservative, New Conservative, Thatcher governments, um, the the changing and the, the start of the decline of the the kind of real mining industry, um, but the racism and um, reaction to people that's that's involved in it. It's a real time capsule piece, um, right. but it's got a lot. It's, it's got the crime element to it as well. So it's one to look out for in the future. And I, I'm yeah. confident it will be on our shelves uh, in in February. So um, yeah, have a look for that one as it comes out. Fantastic. That sounds as if it's a good one to watch out for and possibly get reservations in, in the next couple of months when it appears on our catalogue and things like that. Absolutely. Bye. So thank you guys. Um, that was great kind of hearing from you guys all about digital and, and getting some fantastic little bit reviews there, uh, recommendations there at the end as well. So thank you for coming and chatting with me t- today. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. So there you go, guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening to what Phyllis and Hilary had to say about what's been going on with the digital team of late. I think some of the activities that they have got going on, in particular, I really love the Code Club stuff that's been going on. And yeah, if you do check out our website, you will really see an example of what has been getting happening there with the Code Club team, the Code Club groups that we've got up and running at the moment. So you'll be able to kind of see that in action for yourself and kind of see what your kids can learn after they come along to Code Club as well, which is a great activity to get involved in. Um, that is all for us for now, guys. We have got some big things in the near future, which to watch out for. We've not got anything out about it just yet, but but we've got it's just around the corner and we have got a fantastic lineup of events coming, which we will confirm for you guys very, very soon. And it's very, very exciting. So do watch out for those announcements and we will get all that information out to you very, very soon. And you can take part in some of the Bootweek Scotland events that we have got happening. And it's going to be a fantastic week to look forward to in November. So do watch out for that. But that's all for now, guys. Do watch out for another episode of the Bees Book editions of our of our podcast coming out next week as well. And catch that, and you will hear Paddy and Jenny recommending even more fantastic books for you guys to check out and read. But for me, just now, guys, that's all for me. Bye, guys.